0: Would you open your Bibles to the Book of Psalms, Chapter Thirty-Two? And while you're uh, while you're turning there, let's pray. Father, would you give us you know, wisdom and direction and guidance from Your Word today, uh, Lord, for our community, for our city, for our nation. There's a lot going on right now, and Lord, would you not only be there for those that are suffering and hurting, but show us as a church how we can take action. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Psalm 32, verse one. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man Another way of saying this, happy is the man, like fired up is the man, whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. But I acknowledged my sin to you, verse five, and my iniquity I have not hidden. And I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave all of my iniquity. It wasn't long ago as a church we had. um, It was before Andrew and Glenda came to town with uh, and had Dooley's trucks, and we, as a church, if you've seen out the back window here, is our trailer that we affectionately refer to as Mamu, the Mobile Assault Ministry Unit, and. One of the things they didn't really cover in church planning boot camp was, hey, so you gotta know how to back up a trailer and you gotta know how you gotta have somebody then pull the trailer. You know, that felt like that should have, maybe should have, someone should have mentioned that. And we figure someday we'll do that, you know, church planning boot camp. Like, we'll do one, but it'll be all the stuff they didn't tell you anywhere else and we'll have like a cones out here and you gotta back the trailer through the cones. It's gonna, <laughs> just, you know, just think with me. But there was a point where we didn't have anybody to pull the trailer because our, our redneck reach wasn't as strong as maybe you would want it to be, and so we had a lot of folks with sedans and Volvos and things, and so we couldn't pull it, and so we made a decision as a family, instead of renting a U-Haul every week, that we would buy a truck, that I, my family would buy one. And, uh, and it was one of those things uh, that we, I kind of regretted because I know better than that. I know better than to go finance a, a vehicle into you know, put myself in debt, and and it was a pretty dumb mistake that we lived out for a while, making payments, and then it sort of got us further into debt because my wife, uh, for Christmas a couple years ago, wrecked our van, which I thought was a great Christmas present, and so we had to uh, sort of take it up a notch, and uh, and we, the vehicle we ended up getting, and, and, and the Lord it was kind because a friend of mine owns a dealership, and he gave us a, a, like literally half price for a vehicle that would pull it, but still we're in debt for it, and it was one of those just dumb things. I don't know, if you have done something dumb before? Like, that you just, okay, I'm not money me, but of course not you, but me, I did do something dumb. And it was just one of those things you just could kind of kick yourself for, like, oh, how stupid was this? I don't know what it is about sin, by the way, when you're in the middle of it, that it just seems like a great idea, and then it's afterwards, you're like, oh, oh that, duh. So obvious now, and again, maybe not you, but me. (laughs) And you're thinking, well, Darren, if that's like the biggest sin is you bought something when you shouldn't have bought it. Well, that's not true, but there there are children in here. And so (laughs) we've been talking a lot about forgiveness of others and forgiveness of people that have sinned against us. And and I felt like that the Lord, it would be, knowing some of your stories, knowing my story, that it would, would be incomplete to not talk about what it means to even forgive ourselves. Because in this room right now, in a room in an hour from now, we've all done some pretty dumb stuff in our lives. And the only difference sometimes between somebody who has a scandal and somebody who didn't was, you know, they got caught and you didn't. Timing (laughs) was the only difference. And so we stand on this level playing field before the Lord, but there's this thing that I think that haunts us. I, I think... Well, there was a quote this week that I read. It, was, it said, I was shameful, and I did stuff that caused disgust, and that's hard to recover from. And that was Robin Williams in an interview he did last year with The Independent in Great Britain. And I think you look at that and think, okay, you know, that's Robin Williams, but boy, I've done some dumb stuff too. And it seems like maybe the longer ago in our lives that we've done it, the more we can kind of you know, push it away into a back corner, but it's always kind of there, right? Always kind of in the back of your mind. Kirstie Alley, in an interview not long ago, the famous actress said that, you know, she was like she said, "It was easy for me to forgive those my parents and forgive those that did dumb stuff to me, but forgiving myself was something I've never been able to do." And I feel like that if we don't find that as a as a as an individual, as a church, as believers. I just wonder if there's a freedom that we could experience that we haven't experienced because we haven't taken that step yet and, and not just forgiving others but then forgiving ourselves. You see, it's not that we shouldn't feel bad when we do something dumb, that we shouldn't feel convicted for it. You know, there, there's, there's a positive side to that, that, that guilt, that conviction can be a motivator to change. You know, conviction is mobilizing, but shame is paralyzing. Shame freezes you up. And you start using words like should, I should have done this, I should do this, I should. Should is a shaming word. When I, you should do this, think about when you're communicating with each other, but even with yourself. When I'm saying I should do this or I should do that, and then I don't do it, it's because I'm really just shaming myself or shaming someone else. When I move from should to must, that's the conviction, that's the mobilizing, that's the thing that takes me into the future, that keeps me moving forward. I must change this, I must, I get to this this positive thing, but when it turns into should, and if your language to yourself is I should do this, I should do that, shoulda, woulda, coulda, there's a shaming element to that. Again, conviction, is not a bad thing it's it's good to feel that it means that your soul is alive still it means that you haven't the scars that sometimes cover it over you don't feel it anymore but as long as there's conviction there's a motivator forward but shame is conviction that has stayed too long shame is when it is like if you've cleaned your refrigerator lately and there's some science experiments going on in the past you know You know what I'm talking about? Like, ooh, I I don't even know what that was. (laughs) But it's flowering, and so I don't know what that means. But conviction is something that's there you should have, but when it's stayed too long, when it's overstayed its welcome, and it becomes shame is when it is paralyzing to you. And when I'm paralyzing myself from doing what God wants me to do because I did something stupid, And and look, big ticket items, little ticket items. The shame is what keeps me back. And what if you could, what if I could experience a freedom from that? There's no more shoulda, coulda, woulda. There's no more I should do this moving forward, but I'm going to do that because there's a freedom. I'm free to go forward and to do what God has called me to do and to be. David said that and i got to tell you, if there's a guy that understands this, it'd be David. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate if you were to, I mean, not that we should do this, but if you were to you know, do a, a chart of yours and his behavior, I feel like you're going to be okay in that comparison. <laughs> but here's a guy that could say, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy. Happy is he. You see, if you are forgiven, but you haven't forgiven yourself, think with me on this. It's like the wages of sin is death. And what did Jesus do? He died. He took, he cashed my check. Someone later on came to us, not long ago actually, out of the blue, said, I just feel like God has just told us to pay off your vehicle. Do you, do you have a loan on it? And we were like, oh yeah, but you don't want, no. We, you know, it was like, that's a little bit more than what I thought it was gonna. But they paid it off for us. They had no idea. We just the Lord told them to do it. Four years later, and my wife and I enjoyed an enormous amount of freedom because of that. It was paid in full. Now, what mind you, would have happened if I kept writing checks to the bank every month for a debt that was already paid. How dumb, I'm sure the bank would have taken it. (laughs) Right, they gotta make payroll. Jesus said, you know, he's come to forgive you, not just your sins, but the sins of the whole world. In 1 John, Jesus came to pay that. So if I've already, if it's already been paid, why on earth am I gonna keep trying to pay? to punish myself, basically saying, hey Jesus, while I appreciate your enthusiasm, I'm gonna keep making payments because I feel like I haven't paid enough. And the bummer of it is, it's almost in some ways, if you've been saddled with student loan, our society right now, there's like a trillion dollars worth of it. You can't bankrupt out of it. And you feel like, I'm never going to get out of this. It's the equivalent of that sin. I just I feel like I'll never. And so might as well, if someone just came and wrote your check and paid it off, why not take it? And David said, happy is the man who gets that. Happy is the man and the woman, the teenager, the boy, the girl that understands my sins are forgiven, and I'm not going to keep making payments just to make myself pay I'm not gonna participate in the twin sins of self-pity and self-righteousness. David said that, you can say that, and I think the juxtaposition, I mean he said when I kept silent, verse three, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. Before I confessed my sins, before I just acknowledged and handed them over to the Father God, I was, my bones were, were old and I was, it was what he's, it's almost like arthritis. It's, the, it's paralyzing. But in verse one, he says something that I'm actually kind of fascinated by it, it. It on a first glance kind of appeared redundant. Whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Is he just saying the same thing twice? Or is there an idea that he was capturing? A transgression is forgiven and that word in Hebrew actually is the word for sent Away, when God speaks of forgiveness, he speaks of it as sending it away. Sending it packing. And the word covered is a word for sprinkled, like sprinkling something on something. And there's one place, there's one day, if you were a Hebrew, if you were Jewish and you were reading this when David wrote it, you would recognize this, the day of Yom Kippur was a day when they would take two goats. You've seen the video of the goats who shout like humans? If you haven't, please waste no time and go home today. And but these goats, maybe they didn't shout like humans, but they were sin-like humans. And he said, I'm gonna send, uh, these uh, sins are forgiven, they're sent away, and on Yom Kippur they would take one goat and they would send it packing out into the desert wandering off, a picture of our sin, of their sin once a year of Israel, their sin, this high priest would send this goat packing of a picture of their sin this year saying, forgiven, it's sent away. They would take the other goat, arguably the unlucky one, and <laughs> and they would slice its throat, they would drain the blood, and they would pour the blood on the altar, the high priest, on the mercy seat, and he would pour the blood, sprinkle it on there, indicating not only that the, the sin was sent away, but the cost of sin was paid for that year. Sent away, covered. You're Blessed is the man, happy is the man, is the woman whose sins are sent away and are covered. Jesus, our high priest, a picture of what was to come, the sacrifice that was to be paid, a picture for us, the moment he spoke it out loud, the moment that he confessed it, they were forgiven. You and I are the same. Why do I want to keep making payments on a debt that was paid? And I think I know why, because when I look at David, here was a guy who could say blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven but he lived in a society where they it was still all around him the reminders were everywhere you see the reason especially young men but i'll say old men and old women all of us together that god says and talks about sin in the way he does he would pay the price so completely because it's so brutal and of course paul would take up this and says well hey if if he did that let's get our money's worth why not just sin if it's forgiven party at my house. Why not? And I believe the answer is in Galatians 5 when he said that our, we sow after the, the spirit, we're going to reap a harvest of joy and peace and love. But right in that same thought, that same idea, he said if you sow after the flesh, you're going to reap a harvest of destruction, of stench. That's the word, the idea is like a stinky dead carcass. You're going to, that's what you're going to reap. And my forgiveness of God is complete. He's not angry at me, the price is paid, I don't have to earn my way back into his presence. But he doesn't, and it doesn't cancel out the consequences of the sin around me. There is no such thing as victimless sin. And he would say that not only is it it's forgiven, it's forgotten by God, but if you've, if you've done this and many of you have, You know that it may be forgiven and forgotten by God, but there are people that you don't want to bump into at the mall, not because of what they did to you, but because of what you did, I did, to them. And they may still harbor unforgiveness and resentment towards you. And so if I pay for extra, then I'm gonna somehow make it better for them somehow, which it's clearly nonsense, it doesn't work. But if anybody would understand that, it would be David when, when he sinned, when he had Uriah killed and Nathan the prophet came and said, look, your city is going to cast you out. Your own family, your nation is going to, the nations around you are going to mock you. And is boy, is there ever a better example. In our society right now, examples of that everywhere. It's almost like the enemy loves to get somebody famous so he can knock them down so the world around will mock them. And brothers and sisters, if I might encourage you and admonish you this morning and myself, don't join in on the mocking. Don't cast the stones online or offline at a brother or sister in Christ. There's children involved, there are people, there are consequences. At the end of the day, when I'm trying to jump up on the judgment seat, I'm saying I'm Holy Ghost Junior, I got this one God. Our job, our opportunity, our privilege is to love. Let him be the judge. But David would say in Psalm 30, 84, 84, yeah, go with, turn with me there real quickly, because blessed is he who's forgiven, but at the end of the day I wake up in a world where I did some dumb stuff and I feel like a bird brain, I feel stupid, I feel anxious, I feel restless, Blessed is the man, and I think maybe part of the consequence of it is that. Like, I feel like part of the consequence of sin is the regret. I can stand in his presence and be forgiven, but there's still regret because I know those that I've hurt, and I feel like, I said, feel like a bird brain. I feel stupid. I feel restless and wandering. And David would say this, a guy that had experienced this, who in his presence, blessed is the man whose transgressions, whose sins, they're sent away, they're covered. But I live in a world where Nathan said it was gonna happen, people are gonna, and they did. They took rocks and dirt and they threw it at him and they said, you bloody man, his own country, and in his own house, consequences, his son rose up, Absalom overthrew him. There were consequences that went on and on and on. In the middle of all that, he could, just like Paul said, feel content, feel forgiven. Paul, when he said in Philippians 3, forgetting those things are behind. He gives the list of the things behind. He was a Jew among Jews, but one of them he lists was, I persecuted the Christians. Talk about a guy that had to forget some stuff and talk about a guy that would literally have to maybe be in a church service preaching to a family of people that he had killed one of them. He said, I gotta forget those things that are behind me. How did he do it? How did David do it? He said in Psalm 84, my soul longs, even faints, verse 2, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself. I'm longing for the courts, the presence of God. The sparrow, the sparrow which in Bible times was a bird that was considered completely worthless. Jesus would say, you can get these like six for a dollar down at Costco. They would literally cook the whole thing and eat them like little chicken nuggets, just crunch them away. They were worthless. He said, Jesus would say even a sparrow, there's not a sparrow that falls to the earth that your father doesn't know about it. And he would say here that even in, in the courts, in the sanctuary, in the presence of God, that even the sparrow has found a home. That thing that you did that you look back on and think, so obvious now, I feel like a bird brain. Yes, and in the courts of the Lord, in his sanctuary, nobody's throwing rocks at you there. There are days you've got to buck it up and go out into the world, but in his presence, his fullness of joy, in his sanctuary, is even for the bird brains among us. And then the swallow, have you guys been around swallows? They're all jumpy and flying and they're swarming. and They're anxious and moving, but he said, even there the swallow calms down and finds a home. If you have done some dumb stuff and feel like a bird brain and you feel jumpy and anxious like a swallow, he's saying, come to my, they're in the courts that even they have found a home. May not be in your kingdom and in your family, there may still be repercussions, but there is a fullness of joy that I can find not any place else but in his presence. And I would invite you today and me today to consider the words of Jesus to a woman caught in adultery, drugged there by people who wanted to throw rocks at her. And you remember the story in John 8. He said, to whoever was there who wanted to stone and kill her, whoever was without sin, you cast the first stone. And he didn't say anything else. It says that he leaned over and he started writing on the ground. Theologians have debated what he wrote. Nobody really knows, but I wonder, I wonder if what he did was start writing down the individual names of everybody there and the sin that they were hiding. Because it said, one by one, they walked away. I've got my stone, and hey, Darren, that's the lion cheating can't, then i got to walk away. And he said to her, that if she was the only one left, woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none, Lord. He said, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He, w- he gave himself permission to throw stones at her. He was the one that had no sin. He was the one that could have picked up a rock and chucked it at her. And he didn't. Because her sins were Forgiven, Your sins are forgiven. There was one more person there that probably wanted to throw a rock at herself. Imagine the shame and the humiliation that she felt to throw the stone at herself. Jesus said, in my presence is fullness of joy, but it would be that there's nobody left there to throw rocks at you. And in the sanctuary, in the presence of the Lord, maybe that's why in Hebrews fourteen, four sixteen, 16, he says that I can, you can enter the throne room of grace boldly. I've got an office here, which is still kind of weird to me, but when my kids walk in, my son just busted into the door today there are those that, when you come in, by the way, you never have to apologize when you're not You know, Rebecca of Dahlberg brought some muffins for the worship team, and she was kind of real skittish because she felt weird coming in, like she was interrupting something. But let me tell you who doesn't feel weird, like he's interrupting something Ethan. <laughs> he enters the office boldly <laughs> because he knows that it's, I'm his daddy. And I've told him that, lo- that door is never locked for you guys. You guys can come in. You're my kids, I got no rocks for them. Jesus has got no rocks for you this morning. And the freedom that you can find by putting down your rocks and stop throwing them at yourself, by entering the throne room of grace boldly, is the freedom that I believe Peter found. In John 21, Peter had denied Jesus three times. You remember the story. He said, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'm gonna go uh, hell or high water. We're going, you know. And then within within hours of that, he denied him three times. Jesus appeared to them three times after the resurrection. Peter, whom he said, 70 times seven in Matthew 18. Maybe Peter didn't realize he was talking to him about forgiving himself. Because that day on John 21, he'd already appeared to him three times. Where was Peter? He was fishing. Peter was a fisherman when he was called follow me, go with me, he was fishing. He went back to his past. He disqualified himself from ministry, went back to fishing. Shame paralyzes. And that day Jesus had no words of condemnation for him. It's when the exchange of, if you love me, feed my sheep. And within days, within just a few weeks, Peter, the guy who was ashamed, who had The name Simon, by the way, Simon Peter, Jesus gave him a new name and John 21, he's still calling him Simon. But within weeks of that, of his moment of saying, man, come to the shore, Peter. I got no words of condemnation for you. Within a few weeks, Peter is standing in front of the same exact crowd of people that would have killed Jesus just a few weeks ago. He's not back at the boat fishing. He had stepped into the destiny that God had for him. And maybe that's what you, maybe that's what I, together as a congregation of followers of Christ, forgetting those things that are behind. Paul said, I have to forget that I killed these people, that I persecuted them. David said, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. I can step into his presence in his courts. And if someone picks up a rock to throw it at you, run back to his presence. How long has it been since you got up in the morning and just spent some time in the sanctuary? I'm not speaking of a physical place, although I believe this is part of that, worshiping together without judgment of each other. But how long has it been since you got up and before you did anything else, just walked outside and just step into his presence, to enter the throne room of grace boldly, not ashamed and timid and frozen, but like my son, just bust in the door because my daddy is there, because my transgressions were sent away, my sins are forgiven, there's nothing but love. How long has it been? And as our worship team comes back, if it's been a while, I don't even care if it was this morning, this is a chance to do it again. Step back into his presence. Knowing that the consequences are there, you can't do anything to stop or to change it. But the only opinion that matters at this point is our Father in heaven. And when you say to him, Remind him again of what you did, he says, I've forgotten it. What are you talking about? That's crazy talk. You're making a payment on a debt that I already paid. Tear the check up, I don't even want it. Father, would you bring us application to that in our hearts this morning? There is no such thing as a little ticket sin in the kingdom. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory, and the only way out was death, and you took it for us. You miraculously paid the debt and we're forgiven, and Lord, today, May we not make another payment on a debt that you have already taken care of. Lord, the consequences that were there for others, sure, we're gonna keep praying for them, praying that you'll meet them in that as well. But today for us, There's nothing we could do to change that except for say that all have sinned, but you sent the transgressions away. You covered my sins. I am forgiven. Happy, blessed are we because of that. It's in your name that we pray.